Hey everybody, welcome back to Breakfast with Bob from Challenge Miami. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by Challenge North America, City Bikes, Veneto, Challenge Athletes Foundation, Florida Dairy Farmers, and Wahoo, our next guest. He won here, not here, but at the Challenge Daytona in 2019, Mr. Lionel Sanders. How you doing, Lionel? I'm good, Bob. How are you? I am spectacular. Excellent. Yes, I could not. This is this is very far from Daytona, actually. This course is, is very different than Daytona. Well, first of all, it's like, what, 12 miles shorter in terms of the bike, right? Daytona 2019 was this distance, actually. Oh, it actually. was? Yeah, or very, yeah actually, they're right. Sli- slightly less than this distance because yeah. it's one half lap. But, right. Uh, yeah, it's about 63K. That was about 60K. And the difference is? The difference is that it literally might as well be a total, like, it's on a speedway, but it's, like, nothing like. It's on the road course. First of all, the speedway is smaller. Even if you did the oval, it's about, I don't know, maybe 10% smaller. Yeah. But we're doing actually the inside of the oval on the bike, which is probably another 10% or so smaller. And then there's a road course in the middle. So this is a very, very, much more like a Criterium-style course, undoubtedly. Um, so it'll be very, very interesting. I think it's going to be very difficult to predict the dynamics of the race. My intuition tells me that it'll be very difficult for the bikers to do any damage. To, so to I try I, to get away. I do, my, my intuition says that it's, this will be a runner's race. See, when you look at it you know, with the wind and the, the road course aspect of it, do you see that, you know, the, the, somebody who's a technical bike rider has an advantage or not necessarily of course you have it's two it's two technical corners right uh so of course you have a a slight advantage but the problem is i mean you're the opportunity to lay down big power is very minimal because you're back into the corner and the field size is quite large so you just you're gonna have quite an accordion effect Mm. every time you go into those two corners and you're hitting them approximately let's say I'm, a, I'm thinking about, I timed it in that outside loop. It was about a minute and a half. So you're re-hitting it in a minute and a half. Right. Re-hitting it in a minute and a half, which, like, most guys can keep up, you know what I mean, even if you're laying down big power, especially due to the slowdown into that corner. It's quite a significant slowdown. Yes. Into the, I mean, you, you're still slowing down even if you ri- take risks, you know what I mean, because uh, it's, it's quite a, quite a turn. Um, so, I mean, you can risk crashing, of course. But even if you do take those risks, I just don't see it being able to get very much separation. So there might be more separation coming out of the swim. The separation will happen out of the swim. And then, yeah, yeah, then I think the bike will be maybe, hey, maybe I'll be completely wrong and someone will get really far off the front or something. But uh, I see this being definitely a lot of congestion and then a runner's let race. the runners uh, uh, let the runners do their thing. Right. Yeah. Well, let's chat a little bit about this last challenge, Daytona. You had a great race there. I'm sure you weren't happy with where you were out of the water, but you moved your way up, ended up finishing fourth in probably one of the greatest fields ever assembled and racing against a lot of ITU guys who you might not have raced before. What did you take away from that race? Yeah, that was a great race for, from a developmental standpoint, just to see those guys in real life. Gustav Eden, I'd never raced before, so I got to see yeah. the man, the, the legend, really. Uh, Vincent Louis, I had never raced before. I got to see him, and I mean, he would have, without the two-minute penalty, he would have obviously contended for mm-hmm. the overall win. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys, uh, Henry Schumann, I'd never raced before. All great guys who really have no experience and yet still executed quite well, impressively well, with very little experience of non-draft racing on a v- probably the hardest non-draft course. If they were on this course, I mean, it would be it would be problematic for the long course guys, undoubtedly, because of that fact that I don't think it would have. It's not going to kill guys' legs nearly as bad as Daytona did. Right. Therefore, the running speed is going to play a huge factor, and they have 
great running speed. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a real kick in the butt for me to swim. I was like, wow, I am, I mean, I, I've gotten better at swimming, but wow, I am like way off the base. Like you're not going to beat Gustav Eden and Vincent Louis with the swim that I had in that race. So, I mean, I, I want to still do 70.3 worlds and I, I would like to contend for it. And so for me, it was the kick in the butt to say like, I mean, there was some things. Certainly, I wasn't. I, I it was a it was it was a calculated error that I got my bike and run back into good form mm-hmm. going into it, and I let my swim fall by the wayside. And it, I mean, looking back at, it, I was like, it's probably the most of my swims fallen by the wayside in my entire career because I was averaging maybe like twelve kilometers of swimming a week for the twelve weeks leading into it, which for a weak swimmer, absolutely unacceptable. So I swam below where I where I think I actually am. But anyways. If you want to race these guys, you you will not let your swim fall by the wayside. So that was a kick in the butt. Caused me to join a swim club back home in, in well, my second home in Tucson. Tucson yeah. And uh, I think I'm at uh, 62 swims with them now, which I think is like the most I've ever committed to anything in my entire life. <laughs> uh, and I didn't miss a single practice. And so I'm learning a lot. I'm learning, you know, as a developing swimmer, I'm learning that the biggest piece of the puzzle is feel for the water. And what does that even mean? I mean, that's like whatever, esoteric or something. But um, the only way you learn anything about it is through practice and through through constant repetition. And f- every now and then you feel it. You feel the right timing. You feel the what the right hand pressure is. Sure. And all of a sudden, the times literally drop three, four seconds per 100 yards with, at the exact same perceived exertion. And so uh, that, I believe, is the, is the big factor of what these guys have and what I'm missing and what weaker swimmers are missing is that we just have very little time logged when the, the pressure on the water is correct, the timing of the pull, the rotation, and the kick is all correct, relatively correct for you. <laughs> Obviously, it's, this, is, this is a spectrum. But you literally watch yourself swim on the same perceived exertion four or five seconds faster. So that's a really long-winded answer as to what uh, Challenge Daytona 2020 did for me. <laughs> yeah. No, even more. I mean, there's still more. You know, if you're not learning, then you're in what's the point, right? Exactly. And these types of races, I mean, you got to train surging. Like, if this is what – if these are going to be the big races for us moving forward mm-hmm. uh, that at least are guaranteed to happen – I mean, you darn well better be able to handle that, like, up, down, up, down, up, down, passing, that type of nature, which the ITU guys are well-suited for already. Right. And we tend to not train like that. But you're going to have to incorporate that style of training because, I mean, it's, it's a 20. And this race still, even though it's this, you know, pretty technical course, it's still a 20-meter draft zone. So whew, the surges required to get through before you hit that next corner, I mean, they're going to be huge. And that's, that's the part where could could be a bit of a factor and that also once again going back to the same thing is why guys might be reluctant to make the pass because of the fact that it's only a minute and a half when you get on that far corner and you get out of the the final hairpin corner you have a minute and a half to get by them or however many guys i mean if, if it's a 10-man pack you Can't ain't gonna it. get by 10 no. guys in a minute and a half and now you're coming into a very technical corner and you got to keep passing mm-hmm. so uh, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic one of the people I know you love racing is Mr. Jan Ferdano. Yes, of course. And the greatest. The, great. the greatest. And I know you, even though you didn't have the race you wanted to have in 2019 in Kona, you liked being... I was it, at the master, the master class. You were in yes, the master was, class. And it was a master class. You got to see the master in action and break the course record and do what he needed to do. Racing him here, 
uh, I, I'm guessing you're pretty pumped up. Oh, I'm pumped up. I mean, this is, once again, we're going to go back to, this is a unique race for all of us. Like, no one has experience on this type of course. I would say I'm probably at the disadvantage here because at least growing up as an ITU guy, Jan, um, he would he would have a good understanding of the yes. more similar dynamics that we're going to experience. Um, I'm hoping I've improved enough over the years to at least still be a factor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it looked like we weren't even going to get it because there was some paperwork issues or something. And, I know. And, uh, and it looked for a second that he wasn't going to be able to make it, but, but then he got that all in order, and he's here. So we're going to have a, hopefully a great race. And uh, regardless if I contend or not, just to be to to get another opportunity. Last time I raced Jan was Kona 2019. Last time he raced, I believe, was, yes. was Kona 2019. And it's times like these where you you really appreciate the opportunity. Jan has shaped who I am as an athlete. Every time I've raced him has shaped who I am, and and this time will be no different. And you you cherish these moments of a, of a of a once in a lifetime, once in a once in a generation type athlete when you get the opportunity to go toe-to-toe with them and see their process, see how they execute. And um, at the very least, you know what I mean, you take something from that, and it's a great memory. And all my best memories, if you ask me, are with Jan, Sebastian Keenley, you know what I mean, the greats oh, yeah. of the sport. And, and I don't have very many memories of races where these guys weren't present, you know what I mean? It's when you go up and they hand you your ass and you find out, things you're doing wrong and a few things you're doing right, but a lot of the time what you're doing wrong and how you could be better. And the only way you do that is going up against the best guys in the world. And Jan, Jan has proven that he is the best across all disciplines. What's fascinating to me is a lot of times uh, pros will look at a field and go, okay, this is a good race for me to go to because no one's here. I'm going to win this race. And I remember you at Oceanside, you know, basically frothing the mouth to go head to head with Jan and he flatted and you were like, I'm going to stop and help him change his tire because yeah. I, I want him in the race. You, you, I felt like that was my moment that time. I, 2017, yes. I, a lot of things clicked for me, and I, and I pr- prepared really well. My team was – everyone was in order. And that was – I felt like that was finally the time where I was going to contend. And then so to get that flat tire was, was really disappointing for me because it was like I, I felt like I had worked so hard and I had earned that moment to actually get a shot at contending going head-to-head, toe-to-toe, and I felt robbed of it, and so I was pissed off. I was like, in today's day and age, we got people on the moon think, talking about going to Mars, landing rockets by themselves and stuff, and, and guys are getting flat tires, and we do this for a living. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I was a little bit bitter about that. Um, fortunately, this track, is uh, they're sweeping it right now. If you get a flat tire here, I don't know what to tell you. There's probably already glass on the tire or something, you know, so – um, so yeah, it's an honor. It's an absolute honor to to race the best in the world. And, and I have had points in my career where you got to make a living too. You got to make a name for yourself. So do you want to always go up against the greats? I mean, you, you need to win races too. And if you're always going up, if I, every race Jan was in, I probably have no wins under my belt. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a. I'm at a point in my career now where the only thing I want to do now is race the best guys in the world. It's the yeah. only thing that fires me up. This has fired me up. I found out, I don't know, four weeks ago or something, and, like, it has fired me up more than I've ever been fired up for racing. And, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I owe that to racing the best guys and, and having a guy like Jan here. Another guy who's here who I don't think people are really talking much about is someone you know from yeah. racing, Pablo De, uh, Pablo Depena. Yes. And you were saying before we started chatting that this is a Pablo, if this plays out the way you think it will yeah. as a runner's race, that this could be a great race for him. 
he'll be a contender. Maruccio Mendez Cruz is another guy who has the possibility. He's like a 103 half marathoner. Ex-Terra champion. Yeah. yeah, he's a guy who this I believe this is going to suit really well. Um, there's, there's quite a few guys who you probably are not picking as your contenders who I believe this is going to suit very well. If, if it does turn out to be a race that kind of gets a bit congested mm-hmm. and, you know, a guy like Starkey and stuff has trouble putting a ton of time into guys, which he would be able to put a ton of time to guys in Daytona. Right. Um, then it becomes absolutely those, those guys who are very good runners off of the bike. So you've been doing your, your training block. <clears throat> Do you feel like the ante went up once you found out Jan was racing? I've had to, I had a little bit of tendonitis in my knee I've had now for like 10 months. So I've had to, it's been like a very controlled 10 months in terms of, it's actually been kind of like a little bit of a blessing in the sense that I've not overtrained myself because right. I've had to manage this and not do too much volume. Even the intensity I've had to really, you know, not go, of course I'm going hard in intensity, but not, you know, not beyond my ability. And so, um, what was the question? I forget what the question was. We're talking about tendonitis now. Oh, no, we were talking about the, the block that you've been doing with, you know, knowing that Jan was racing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can only do what I could do. You right. know what I mean? At the end of the day, you can only do what you can do. you got to listen to yourself. I mean, I, I look at some of the training like a Gustav Eden and Christian Blumenfeld are doing, and I, I mean, I can't even really wrap my head around it. Mind you, they're a little bit younger. Like, I was doing some pretty crazy training six years ago or so, but, I mean, that stuff catches up with you. You can't like push yourself beyond. And I, I did some overtraining, so I'm trying not to overtrain anymore. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, visualization wise, yes. I mean, I've had many sprint finishes in the last month with Jan, even though he wasn't there. I did win them all. Did you win them all? I won every one. Actually, I lost one. That's funny. I did lose <laughs> one because because my my wait wait. How guy, do you lose one when you're well, visualizing? Well, one guy I was training with Tristan uh, Jones, who I was training with in Tucson. He out sprinted me in the thing. He came around the corner. I wasn't really expecting it, and <laughs> he, he, he out sprinted me. And that was supposed to be Jan, so I did lose that one. So I'm like one for four in my in my uh, visualizations. But um, you can only do what you can do at this stuff. You know what I mean? If you if you try if you go look at Gustav's training and you're trying to replicate some of these like insane workouts, they're yeah. doing like 32 minute 10k tempo into five by a k, all like 240 per kilometer. Like yeah. I mean, it's like got to kind of like do what's right for you. And I believe Jan's not looking at my training. He's not looking at Gustav's. He's doing what's right for him. And yes. I believe that's the way the greats do it, you know. Otherwise, you'll probably overtrain yourself to death. So, um, anyways, to answer your question, he's been there, absolutely, but I can't alter my training that much out of fear or something. Exactly. In fact, I did do that in when I heard Alistair Brownlee was going to do St. George 2017. I, I did exactly as you said. He was in my mind. I found out about a month before the race. He was in my mind, and I, I overtrained like heavy. I did some crazy workouts. I was doing like three workouts a week on the bike, and I was pushing like never an interval under 400 watts. And I do believe that kind of dug myself a bit of a hole and didn't bike nearly as well as practice had indicated I should have biked. With what's happened this last year with, without, much, without much racing, uh, does it make, since you got into the sport a little later, does it make you appreciate it more, the fact that we don't, you know, you never really know if there'll be races? It makes me appreciate the relationships more, I think, mm. uh, a big, large part. You know, to see Sebastian, I really missed Sebastian. I've had so many great, uh, you know, battles with yes. Sebastian and just learning experiences with him. And then to see, to go a full year without seeing him, then to see him in Daytona in 2020. I mean, it was really like, it was like really nice to see him, you know? Yes. And uh, I, I think you maybe take it for granted a little bit when you race 
these guys. These are the best guys in the world. And I get to toe the line with these guys. These are, these are, these are experiences I'm never going to forget. And so, yeah, to have it taken away for a whole year and to miss seeing a guy like Jan, who, who I'd probably never see any other time other than races, uh, that's the part where you, you really appreciate is now that now I'm here, I actually get to see this guy in real life. And it's, it's amazing. Love it. So I think we've got Mr. Bill Christie here. Bill, Bill always gets upset because when we, we do the shows, we get these huge numbers for Lionel Sanders and Jan Ferdane who goes, hey, nobody's watching my interviews. I said, well, you should drop by <laughs> when, when Lionel's on because we'll get some really big numbers and we'll say it's a Bill well, Christie interview. It, it's a real, yeah, it's a real disservice that you're not getting views, Bill, because, I mean, no one is doing more for the sport than you are right now. Exactly. So, I mean, you should be getting views. <laughs> so, really come on are. in. Come on in, Bill. Come on in. <laughs> you guys are awful gracious for having me, and I did say that to Bob. I said, Bob, I said, you know, I got to ask Lionel if he'll give me a shot. <laughs> and, and, he said, and he said, yeah, yeah. He said, do it. So I called Lionel. Lionel was like, absolutely. So hopefully I'll be able to bump over 525. Yeah. His so Go view Bill's video because no <laughs> one is doing more for this sport right now. Don't you to think? bring it, to make it, a, make it a, a, a true bona fide professional sport than Bill. So. Go watch his video and see what he has to say. Exactly. See the future. He's going to exactly. shape the future. We're of talking. Sport for us. We're talking 15 events between U.S. and North America 15. over the next few years. Next few years. I love it. So you're going to spend a lot of time at the racetrack. Got to get good at racing these tracks. This is going to be a unique experience <laughs> for sure. There's going to be a lot learned here. Absolutely. I, I, I love it. Well, I wanted to stop by, and I, I couldn't think about uh, with both of what you guys do for everybody that's out there. I was lucky and lucky. I was lucky enough to have Michael McDowell, winner of the 2021 Daytona 500, sign two hats for you guys to give away and raise for each one of you to raise for your specific concerns. CAF for okay. you, and Lionel, I've got one for you. Cool. So really there cool. you guys are. Thank you, bud. That's very kind of you. Well, Michael Thanks McDowell sends his best yeah. and, and sends sends uh, his love for you guys and what you do for everybody that's out there so we're, we're greatly appreciative we're glad you guys are both here you know i love having you guys here every single time so with that i'll say uh goodbye and uh <laughs> hopefully lionel thanks for the help with the numbers buddy i appreciate Cheers, you man. <laughs> please let's get them over a thousand people come on at least exactly <laughs> uh, that was bill christie ceo of challenge north america and our guest has been mr lionel sanders lionel always an honor to get to chat with you Likewise, Bob. You're one of those people, too, who you miss and you get to see at these races. <laughs> I just love seeing this guy. <laughs> Always makes me feel good. Again, Breakfast with Bob, Challenge Miami. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.